and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Well, listen, if you limit ministry to a microphone, then you limit the impact of the kingdom upon the church. So you've got to continue to empower people and see within them, even sometimes what they don't see in themselves and call them up. Amen. So listen, we've been in a, in, a, in a series called Summer on the Mount, and we spent the whole summer in Matthew 5, 6, 7. And it's, how many of you have enjoyed that? Even if you haven't, go ahead and say, yeah, it's been great. <laughs> but it's been an amazing time of just unpacking the word. And I'll I, I, be honest, I've just been in a season of just reading the red letters and the gospels and allowing it to pierce my heart. Like not growing, not letting that grow cold. Like, oh, I've read that. Because how many of you know, like, we've all probably read the Gospels the most. I've read the, the Gospel of John more than any other book in the Bible. But, I, but I'm looking at this book and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you help these words come alive in my heart? I don't want them to just be words on a page and neither should you. The, the, these should not just be words on a page. But we have to ask the Holy Spirit that gives us grace and power to live out what's in this book. How many of you know that's true? Listen, the Holy Spirit energizes you and he gives you the ability and the grace to live out what is in this word. So if you read the word and you're like, man, that's hard. I don't know, like, I don't know how to engage with that. The solution is you ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That's why he is called the helper. So we say, Holy Spirit, we need your help to give us grace to walk this out because in my own strength, it's impossible. In your own strength, it's impossible. You can't muster yourself there. You can't strive your way there. There's nothing you can do to get yourself except yield to the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead you into all that he has for you. So we've been speaking last week. We spoke about revival. We, 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 we honed in on his kingdom coming, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you were blessed by the amount of young people under 30 that were in these altars getting touched by God? Man, if that doesn't excite you, you could ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that too. Because there's about 150 churches that are praying for just a couple of young people. And so we feel stirred by this, that the Holy Spirit is doing something significant. And we're excited. We want to come under what he's doing. On Friday night, Pastor Kenny, Pastor Gabby were leading youth. The altars were full all the way around with young people responding to the Lord. And in the midst of that, I feel this conviction. If the Holy Spirit is drawing people to say yes, that's the ultimate goal. To, for you to give God your full yes. That's what he wants. You're full, yes, but in the midst of that yes, I believe it's pivotal and important for you to understand what you're saying yes to. What are you saying yes to? What does it mean? Because listen, this, this walking out of this faith is more than just you coming to an altar. It's more than you getting caught up in an altar call and you crying, all of that's good. But all of those moments, all of what just happened in worship, it is unto something. And what it's unto is you becoming a fully activated follower of Jesus. That's what this is about. This isn't about just having a church that feels like we get caught up in the swirl and there's prophetic words and there's healings. We have all of that. We have all of that. Listen, on Wednesday, a couple of Wednesdays ago, there was an Afghan woman that doesn't even speak English that God healed and she began to have deliverance because people need deliverance. She began to manifest and she got delivered. She don't even know the language. So in the midst of all of that, that's good. That's great. But that has to be unto you being a disciple of Jesus. I have a conviction about this. We've been studying the constitution of the kingdom, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the pure, blessed are the those who mourn, the merciful, blessed are those who go through persecution. All of that's good, but Jesus summarizes that, and then he says this, and I want to take us there. In Matthew 5, you want to open up your Bible. He gives us the constitution of the kingdom, and then in Matthew 5, he begins to speak about us as disciples. 
And he says this in Matthew 5, verse 13. He says, you say me. Say it again, me. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, my translation, the Amplified says purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out, walked upon by people when the walkways are wet and slippery. Then he says this, verse 14, you are the light of the world, Christ to the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. How many does it give light to? Some? The charismatics? Who does it give light to all? Meaning, as we live out the Beatitudes and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, our mandate as believers, as disciples, as followers of Jesus is everywhere we go, there should be something changing. There should be an impact. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, how does salt lose its saltiness? I was pondering this this week. Salt has a purpose. There, there, is, a, there is a unique, there's nothing worse than eating a bland meal. If you don't use salt, don't invite us. We don't, we don't want to come under that. <laughs> but salt has a purpose. There's a purpose to salt. But when salt loses its purpose, it becomes nothing but white dust. So it's interesting. Salt loses its purpose when it's put in the wrong environment. This, these are the ways that salt loses its saltiness. When it's put in the wrong environment that is not conducive to protecting the saltiness. In our context, it would be a dry environment where nobody's pursuing and pushing. Where nobody's contending and believing God for more. That's a quick way to lose your saltiness. Some of you came into this room years ago and you were dry. You felt like, I don't even want to do this. But there was something about the environment that made you come alive. Another way that salt loses its saltiness is when impurities are introduced. There's a purity to salt. But once things that are not supposed to be added unto the salt become introduced, some impurities... The salt begins to lose its saltiness. I ask you, I wonder how many times we lose our, our purpose, our saltiness, because we are introducing things into our lives that are not meant to be there. They're like, well, bro, there's grace for that. I'm free. Uh, okay, have, have your freedom. My question for you is how salty are you? How often are you making a difference? How's your family? How's your children? How's the fruit of your life? Because Jesus says this. He says, listen, your life will have fruit. You will know a tree by its what? By its fruit. So I was having this thought this week about, I had this continuous thing that comes to me every few years about how I feel like God, he's marking people. He's branding them. There's like, he's imprinting himself on a people where it's like, you, you know that you know. Paul was just telling me, he ran across somebody. So he's like, man, I just knew he was a believer. I get sometimes like, man, I go to my job and people don't even, don't even know I'm a Christian. I don't understand why you would even say that. <laughs> like, it's nothing to brag about. Like, we want people to know by the way we walk, by the way we talk, by the way we steward our hearts that we are followers of Jesus. And so I have this image of, of, this, of this brand, like God imprinting himself upon a people and him stamping himself and people knowing that you are his and he is yours. And that's the truth about branding. We live in a society that, that is, it is, it is, Everywhere, everywhere you look, there is something that is being communicated. I want to, I want to prove a point to you. Like, uh, there's a few images I want to put in the screen. And when I put the image on the screen, I want you to say what's being communicated through the image. Help me, computer guy. There's one. What is that? Oh, see? Yeah, praise God. We'll move past that. Come on, just do it. Yeah, wait, there's going to be glory. Oh, you feel the Holy Spirit on that? 
<laughs> you feel that? There's glory on that. No. I'm kidding. What's the point? The point is that when you see something, there is something attached to what you're seeing. No matter what, no, no, like no, nobody taught you that. You didn't go to school for learning what that meant. It was you came into interaction with that, and now that means something to you. Yeah. And I don't know where along the line, and I would ask you, I would submit to you today, what is your life communicating? When people look at your life, when, when, when the way that you live, the way you do family, the way you've built, what you're giving your life to, what is that communicating to everyone around you? And, I, and I'm struggling with this tension because my fear is this. As a pastor, as a leader that is shepherding a community, my fear is that there are a lot of people, oh, I'm gonna say this, and listen, I believe there's grace for this today. There are a lot of people that they, they sincerely believe they're going to heaven and they're going to stand before the Lord and it's going to be a rough day. I'm not saying this to you to put a yoke or a condemnation on you because the reality is we have lived the last 20 years being told, if you say these words, then this will happen. And so I'm not saying this at you. I'm asking, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us up. And he's saying, listen, salvation is not about a stream of words that you say and then you get a get out of hell free card. Giving your life to Jesus is costly. And if we're honest, like I don't even remember, go on YouTube and see when was the last time your favorite pastor preached the message on hell. Let me know. Because everything, listen, we, we have conferences that are sold out about manifestations, how to do dreams, how to do prophecy, how to do miracles. But I don't see many conferences about how, what it looks like to be a true disciple of Jesus. I guarantee you, if our next conference wasn't signs and wonders or friends of the bridegroom, it was like how to be a true Christian, it wouldn't be as packed as it was back in January. And the conviction that I'm asking God for me I want to bring you in on my journey. If you were like, Gio, I want to cut you open. What do you, like, what's inside? It's this, God, I want to be a true follower and a disciple of Jesus. Being a true, listen, there are, just because somebody lays hands on a sick person or calls out numbers and dates doesn't mean they're following Jesus. That's called a gift. When I give my son a gift for Christmas, it had nothing to do with him. It's because I'm a good father. So, so God is going to give gifts, but that can't be the standard for what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus. Yeah. Gifts are given. Fruit is cultivated. I'm like, bro, I want to see beyond that. I'm glad that you know how to hear God's voice. Bless the Lord. I want to know what you're watching. I want to know how you talk to your wife. I want to know how patient you are with your kids. I want you to go beyond like, like, hey, my kids are being taught on Sundays and open up the word and tell them God is real. God is real. <laughs> I didn't know. I knew I prepared my heart. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of claps today. But, but the reality is there are parts of this Bible that we just don't talk about in pulpits anymore. We don't talk about them. We skip over them, and those are the sections of the Bible in this season in my life that God is like, I want you to zero in on that. Because every time, here's the reality about Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you look at the biblical narrative in the Gospels, every time the crowds got really, really big, and the disciples were like, Jesus, we got it going on. Let's keep this going. He would stand up on a mountain and say, if you really want to follow me, 
You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the disciples are like, bro, we sold everything for this guy. Like, we know, we're like, oh, that's cute, bro, communion. They did not know. They're like, bro, Jesus is what, like, let's go back to the boats. And the, the reality is Jesus was consistently calling people beyond what was comfortable for them. And when you cheapen the gospel and you make it about behavior modification and what feels best for you, the reality of it is in the end game, it really robs you. What does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? This is the reality that we're sitting in today. That, that maybe, maybe if we take a step back and we look at the words of Jesus, what we're singing and what we're praying and how we're living are just not adding up. And I want to say this to us today because there's going to be an opportunity to respond. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit my butt on the end of that altar and I'm going to respond to the Lord. Because what I want to do is, is when I stand before the Lord, I want to know that I know that I know that I live my life in a way that honored Him. And the only way to do that is not to go on a conference or read the next book. I read, more, I read a lot of books, but it's a yielded, surrendered life before Jesus. So, so can, we read, can we read some scriptures? Because, because Jesus talks about salt. He talks about light. And then he invites, and then listen, he stands on, on the mount, and he gives this, this portrayal of following him that's so crazy. He, they thought he came to abolish the law. He said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then he begins to say things like this. The law says that you should not commit adultery. But I would say to you, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. He said the law says that you should not kill. But I say to you, if you have hate in your heart, you've already killed that person. And you've got to know in a, the thousands of people are like, bro, who can follow this? Like, who can do this? And then he begins to go on. I want to take you, I want to take you to, yeah, let's keep going to, to chapter 8. Because by chapter 8 of Matthew, he's, he's done miracles. He's done signs. He, ta he talks about the narrow gate, the wide gate. We talked a little about this last week. But then in verse eight, chapter 8, verse 18, he says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side on his way. So let's, let's, let's yeah. So verse 19, then on his way, a respected man of the law, which this would, this would have been a religious person, right? This would have been a well-respected religious person, came to him and said, Master, I will accompany you as your student wherever you go. What a declaration. Like, listen, Rabbi, wherever you go, I go. And if this was the 101, 2022 recruitment time of church, it's like, come on, let's go. We'll work it out along the way. But Jesus is like, no, listen, I want to say something to you. He says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head at night. And if I'm that disciple, I'm like, bro, I don't know what to do with that. Like I'm trying to give you what I have. And Jesus goes on this narrative. There's another guy that comes up and he says, another disciple came to him and said, Lord, first let me go bury my father, collect my inheritance. But Jesus said, follow me as master and teacher and allow the spiritually dead to bury their own. And I, what, what I'll say to you is the teachings of Jesus were not cupcakes and rainbows. 
When it came down to being a follower of Jesus and a disciple, it came down to, are you really willing to build your life on me and allow me to be everything for you? He would say things like, I know it's hard. Listen, I know, I know. But Jesus would say things like this. In order to follow me, you've got to hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. It's in the book. And the principle there is not, I want you to be rude and hate everybody. The principle is, my devotion, your devotion for me, and your devotion for them should be starkly different. The way you love me should make the way you love them seem insignificant. There's something about a heart that is fully captivated by the person of Jesus. And here's the reality. We live in a world that they applause at the right time. They give good lip service. They do all the right things. But when it comes down to really following him and it gets difficult, they always find a reason to go do what they've got to do. Come follow me. Like, no, listen, like, I've got to go take care of my mom and dads. I mean, you know, that's logical. That's logical. In our realm, we would say that's wisdom and responsibility. The only issue with that is reason and logic often are at war with God's purposes for your life. If you're going to wait to do God's will for your life, when it makes sense to you, you will never accomplish anything for God. Only my staff say many me. <laughs> You'll never do it. Because the reality of God is he's trying to take you places. He's trying to take you places your head just won't fit. He's trying to expand you. He's trying to grow you. And here's why a message like this, I think, is so important for us today. Because if we don't talk about the difficult things that confront us and the realities of being a disciple of Jesus, when things get hard for you, mark my words, you will walk away. When we make the gospel about what's good for you and how blessed and how rich and how abundant everything will be for you, when things get difficult and they will get difficult, you will become offended with God and go the other way. So how do we break free from this offense? How do we break free from the, we break free from it, from divorcing ourselves from all of the things that are pulling us down. It is a conscious decision. That is why I'm marked, I have decided. I didn't get swept up, swept up in a prophetic swirl and ended up here. I made a decision that I was going to live my life for Jesus and I was gonna count everything else as rubbish. That word rubbish, if you were to look up when Paul says, listen, I've counted everything else as rubbish except my life given to Jesus and following him, that word rubbish is almost vulgar. He's like, I've counted everything else as dung. Like it's nothing in comparison to following him. And if I'm being honest, this is what I'm praying for us as a church. For you, for me, how many of you want this? Like, I want my heart to be aflame for him. I don't want to withhold anything from him. And I don't want to stand before him and give him all the lame excuses why I did not give him my all. Why I had fear and insecurity rule my heart. And why I made all the excuses I believe. I believe that God has so much more for me. Like, let's take everyone else in the room out of the equation. I believe that I'm just scratching the surface. And I believe this is the way you should live your life. There should be a great hope and expectation. And here's the truth. As things grow darker, the glory within you grows greater. The opportunity to shine becomes brighter. And the opportunity to walk in a way that speaks a message becomes more pivotal for us as a people. 
We're like, well, well, we'll get people saved, man. Let's just bring them to abide. What if that message started by the way you lived your life? This is available for us, guys. I believe the Holy Spirit, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling to us. And, and for, for a lot of us, listen, we wrestle with things. This is not about whether you wrestle or not. The question is, do you really believe that you can string together 12 words and that's going to be what Jesus' blood paid for? Do you really believe that his blood paid for you to sing songs on Sunday and watch pornography on Monday? Is that, is that what we've reduced the blood of Jesus to? That we're going to sing songs about freedom, but we're going to be ruled and reigned by comparison and insecurity and jealousy in our hearts. This is where I've resolved. Either the book is true or it's not. And if we're going to give our lives, why not go all the way? Why not live our lives in such a difference that when God speaks a word to us, it becomes the supreme anchor for our lives. I'm not going to look to the left or to the right. I'm not going to be swayed by what people say. Most of the people that sang no longer are slaves to fear, COVID happened, and I'm like, where's your song? Where's your song? Sing, songbird. And what God did for us is he exposed this false security in our hearts. Where we're, I, we're insulated in a world. Listen, when we were in Africa, about two and a half hours away, people were being beheaded. You're like, no, 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 brother, the rapture's going to happen. Say that to the people getting martyred today. You think that America, <laughs> listen, you think that God just has, like, America's just favored? Like, nothing. I'm saying this to us as a people, like, if you don't settle this now, you'll never settle it. If Jesus doesn't become only, then he's nothing. It doesn't work any other way. It is a consecration. And I'm saying, like, this is what I ask God for. In the, like, why is he in the prayer room? It's not because I'm trying to build a prayer room. It's because I have to stand before him. And here's the reality. I said this to our staff on Wednesday. When we stand before God, he's not going to keep account about how many hours we spend in prayer room. That, like, bro, you did really good. You read every Ravenhill book. And you were on fire. You listen up. He's not going to care. The only thing that's going to matter is, did I have your heart? I gave my life for your heart. Did I have your heart? Or did you allow the lust of the flesh and all of the things that the world has to offer lure you into a partial relationship, which is no relationship at all? When we do marriage counseling, one of the first things people want to do when there's marriage counseling is talk about all the problems. I want to talk about this problem, that problem, why he's a problem. And the reality is if we don't fix the connection, the problem is irrelevant. The problem never ceases to be the problem because the problem is not the problem. The problem is you are disconnected. And there's become you versus him. This is why the Bible says if you give yourself to the things of the world, you have become an enemy of God. What are you going to do with that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. If you give yourselves... To the end, if you give yourself to the world, you become an enemy of God. I don't want to be an enemy of God. I want to stand before him. And this is the truth that there are so many scriptures that talk about God purifying us, washing us with the water of the word, making us a pure and spotless bride. But he's not going to force this. He's not going to force this. 
And so many of us, we find ourselves in this tension. And here's where I'm at. I believe there are people who they've said words and believe why well, I said those words. So like I, I was told that once saved, always saved and, and all of this, that's just not the Lord. And then there are people on this side that they really try. They've given their hearts to the Lord and they're trying their best, but they never can live in the security and rest of knowing that God is good. And what I want to communicate to you is I believe God is centering us around you are faith, you are chosen, God is for you, and God is friend. But I said it last week, and I'll say it again. You can only know God is friend to the point that you know him as Lord. You don't get to know God as friend if you don't know him as Lord. There's an invitation to know him as Lord and to come under his leadership. So I want to read one more story to you. Is that okay? You still love me? Thank you. I want to read to you the story in Mark 10. In Mark 10, I want you to go there. I'm going to give you a second because I want you to see it. Matthew 10, verse 17. Mark 10, sorry. Mark 10, 17. Yeah, the rich young ruler. It says this, as he was leaving on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, What shall I do to inherit life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely. Do not defraud. Honor your father father and mother. And then the guy responded to him. He said, Listen, I've, I've been doing this my whole life. Like, I know the commandments. I've been following them. Like, this was a guy who had his life together. If you were to look at him, you're like, That's, I want to be like that guy. That was this guy. And he replied, looking at him, I love this. Verse 21, I want you to look at this. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. I want you to recognize this. This is not like Jesus being critical. Jesus looked at him and recognized there's something special about him. He loved him. He he said he had a high regard and compassion for him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all your property and give the money to the poor. And you will have abundant treasure in heaven. And come follow me, becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me, walking the same path that I walk. Verse 22, but the man was saddened at Jesus' words. He left grieving because he owned much property. He had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. That's what the Amplified says. So Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for those who are wealthy and cling to possessions and status as security to enter into the kingdom of God? So there's a guy who's, who's trying to make a commitment to Jesus. He's followed all the laws. He's got money. He's, he's got it all going on. He makes this declaration, what must I do to follow you? And, and, ha- and Jesus, I want you to understand, this guy had an opportunity to be like number 13. Like there was 12 disciples. Like, bro, we could do 13. And he looks at the guy and he says, listen, but there's this one thing that you lack. And we like to make this about money, right? And I believe we could talk about mammon. Pastor Todd did a great job speaking on this. But this isn't about money. This isn't about money. This is about there was something that had that man's heart. And they had established a kingdom in his heart where God could not rule and reign. And when Jesus put his finger on that, it said the man became saddened. Think about that. 
Like there's no greater invitation. I can't think of anything greater than being given the opportunity to give up everything to just follow Jesus and see how he walked, how he talked, and to just be, just be a part of his inner circle. <laughs> Yet this man had so many things in his life that he was like, I'm not willing to give up this for that. How do I know that this isn't about money? Because in Luke 19, I believe it is, Jesus is walking along his way, and it's the same story. The rich young ruler, there's a confrontation. Jesus says, how, how hard is it for the wealthy? But then there's a man named Zacchaeus, and he's standing along the way who was a tax collector, and the Bible makes it very clear he is very rich. And he hears word of Jesus coming along the path, and he positions himself on a sycamore tree, and Jesus going along the way looks at him, and he turns aside. And in the, in, the, in the King James Version, he says, Zacchaeus, you must come down for I want to abide in your home today. I love it because we're called abide. <laughs> so I want to abide. And there was something that happened when Jesus made that declaration that shifted his heart. That by the time he had entered into his house, he said, I'm giving away half of my belongings and I'm paying back four times what I stole. <laughs> and Jesus says to him, salvation has come to your home. Think about this. In chapter 18, Jesus says, "How it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter into the kingdom. Chapter 19, you see a rich man entering in. This is the mercy of Jesus. What's the difference? I will not withhold. What's, you want to make it about money? Make it about money. I don't care what it is. My question for you is, what are you holding on to that is stopping you from having all of him? Where is it going to take you? What is it giving you? Where has your doubt, your unbelief, and your criticism? We, we live in a generation that wants to put God on trial. God is not on trial. God has to explain nothing to us. God is God. He has nothing to prove. And he's not subject to your criticism. And the spirit of unbelief is, I uh, feel it, it's in here. The spirit of unbelief is robbing you. It is robbing you. It's why you can't sleep at night. It's why you're miserable, no promotion, no, nothing satisfies. Because the worst thing for a person that, that can ever possibly do is give Jesus half of their heart. Couldn't even get it out. It's the worst thing you could possibly, it's almost better to not give him anything. Because what happens when you give him half of yourself, the Bible's clear. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It's not a demon. You're like, it's a demon. It's witchcraft. It's not. It's, it's double-mindedness. Man, I, I used to have, I used to have like, I still have trouble sleeping. But if you have trouble sleeping, you know there's like nothing on TV. So you're flipping through and then you stop by the World Series of Poker at like 1.30 in the morning. You're like, oh my gosh. But, but there's this moment that, that like, this is what I would watch it for. It wasn't even for the poker. There was always this one moment where the guy was in a vulnerable position and he had less money than everybody else. And he was in a position where he's like, I've got to go all in. Right. It's like, you watch three hours for that one moment. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like, that's where we're at in the kingdom. It's like, do you, how long can you hold on to your 300 chips? <laughs> You're like, oh my God, I can't let it go. Like, what are you holding on to? Like, in the grand perspective, you're like, YOLO, bro, you only live once. You really don't. Like, this life will end, and then there's an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not going to end like that, boo-boo. 
like, it's really not like, it's really not like just live however you want and do you. Don't do you. It's the worst thing for you. Do him. <laughs> like, read that word. Let it get into your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace to live. And when you mess up, because you, we all do, ain't nobody perfect, come back to the feet of the cross. Say, God, help me. So I'm praying that God marks us with a few things because when Jesus begins to state, he's like, Peter's like, who can follow this? When Jesus says, you know, sell everything, foxes have the, Peter's like, we've given up everything. How many of you remember this? Peter's like, we've given up everything for you. Like we, we have followed you. And Jesus says this, he said, listen, anybody who's given up house, brother, mother, will have even more in the age to come. But I believe God is centering us. Even, in, even in, in John 6, there was another declaration made by Peter. Peter was that dude. Everybody's departing. Jesus gave the whole cannibal speech. And it says the disciples began to desert him. They, they were leaving. Like they were there for the loaves and fishes because everybody wants to be around when the miracles are happening. Listen, it's going to be, it's easy when there's activity to be at the center and like, but when, the, when, when following Jesus becomes hard, that's when you know who's the real ones. So Jesus looks at the disciples and he says to them like, are you not going to leave too? And Peter makes this declaration in John 6, 66, 68, somewhere around there. He says, Peter's like, where else are we going to go? Do you like, I wish I could have been like, where else are we going to go? Like you have the words that give us life. You got to hear, you got to hear in that communication, like he sees nowhere else to go. He's like, I don't understand what you're talking about, like the blood in the, in the flesh thing, but like we've resolved, there's nowhere else we'd rather be than to give our lives for this. And guys, I, I really believe, I really believe that God, he is, he's calling us to this. And the church for so long, like I was thinking about this, like, in the context of salt and, and, and light, it's like we, we have gloried in, in how, many, like, how many people are in buildings and how many people, the activity, we've been in a season of growth, right? And we've gloried in that. Like, man, God's doing so much. There's so, even in staff meetings, we're like, let's not make it about how many people, let's make it about what God is doing. What is God doing? What is being produced through that? But, but God has called us to be salt and to not lose his saltiness. So like this represents us. And I'm going to land here because I believe like this is what the Lord is saying. Like this is salt and this, this has a purpose. Like when I go eat my meal in about an hour, if it doesn't have salt, I'm like, bro, you got to bring me some salt. Like I want it to be what it's supposed to be. And so we have this and this is potent salt. And this serves its purpose. But what we've done in the church is for the sake of what things look like, we've taken things that aren't really what it is. And so like, this is not salt. This serves a whole different, a whole different purpose than salt. But for the sake of the illustration, I want you to see like, this is what we've done in the church. For the sake of how things look, we're like, look how much we've got. Like, look, and we're like, wow, isn't it amazing? And this works. Like if I, wouldn't, if I would have put that in a salt bag, you would have been like, wow, that's awesome. The, the, the issue comes down to when it comes time to use this, you'll be able to tell the difference. 
Like, like when the rubber meets the road and it's like it's time to put this on some chicken, you're going to be offended. Why? Why? Because you didn't sign up for, for like for sweet chicken. You signed up for chicken with salt. So we're like, we're like, no, no, no. But if we have better lights and music, then the people will come. More younger people, better, like, like let's all, the whole staff get Jordans on and they'll be there. We're, we're about that life. I'm not against it. But if there's no substance, when people start to grab a hold of what you've got, they're going to realize it's not the real thing. So for us, why, why do we have to have messages and moments like this? Because the last thing I want is for people to come to abide and say, man, the music's great. There's a lot going on. But when I really get into the fabric of what's happening, I don't see a whole lot of activity that looks like the Bible. I just don't see poorness of spirit. I don't see self-control. I don't see patience. I don't see loving kindness. I don't see forbearance. For those of you that don't know, these are called the fruit of the Spirit. We don't talk about it a lot in church anymore. Because as long as we got gifts, we'll be all right. But what I'm saying to us is when we start to walk this thing out, to be a true follower of Jesus, there has to be a grace to partake of the whole book. And, And as I was as I was praying for today, I really felt like I've had this burden. I said it a few weeks ago. I've had this burden for men. I really, really have. I really feel like, if I'm just being honest, for the longest time, like women have kept the church alive. They're the ones worshiping at the front. They're the ones with all the prophetic words. They set up the banquets. They tear them down. They're the ones dragging their husbands to church. And I'm like, God, no more. No more. Like, I want to see men that are responding to the leadership of the Lord. You're like, well, I'm tired. I've done that. I've built stuff. Don't say it to me. Say it to the Lord. Let him talk to you about that and see what he says about it. Because as far as I know, like, I feel this urgency, guys. Like, I feel this urgency. Like, it's time for us to stop playing games. Can I get a wit like somebody help me? It's time for us to stop playing games. Like it's time for us as a people to start taking our walk with Jesus serious. And listen, like guys, I'm just being honest. If you don't take it serious, it's just not going to be serious. You set the standard for your home. You set the parameters for what's allowed and what's not. There are certain things that just don't happen in my house. And it's not because I'm lording over my wife. We've come into agreement. This is the culture of our home. So I have an eight-year-old son. And you know what? Because we've set a culture in our home. When something runs across the TV that he knows is not permitted in our house, guess what he does? He comes and he tells us. Because we've established a culture in the home. Just like when somebody's sick, Judah just doesn't have compassion for the person. He's going to pray for you. Because he grew up in a culture where he believes God heals. So I'm just saying, for us, as, for us as men, I'm beckoning us, man. Like, 
I'm not saying you have to do anything. I'm asking you, will you respond to the Lord's leadership? Like, what would happen? This last week, we had all these altars full of young people. Imagine if you lived your life in such a way where your kid wasn't outrunning you. Like your kids saw you broken before. Judah will never, I'm like, that's my commitment. You're never going to be more hungry than me, bro. I'll, I'll battle you there. That's the way we've got to live our lives. We've got to set the standard for our kids and we've got to teach them. Ministry following Jesus is not about coming to church on Sundays. I see people like, well, my, my family's just falling apart. Bro, you come to Sundays, you come to church once a month. You're never in God's presence. What do you expect? What kingdom do you think is ruling and reigning in your home? I got to stop because nobody's going to respond. It's not because I'm the pastor. It's not, it's not because I want more people here. It's like we are eating the fruit of what we have sown. So our kids need to see. That's not the way we talk. That's not the way we act. I don't give money because I'm under law. It's because God has every part of my heart. Judah, Judah will never know. Listen, we made a decision with our lives. We're never going to give less than 20%. Not just for us, but for Judah. It's communicating to him we are a generous people. And God has everything we have. What's happening? We're setting the culture for our home. So my question in summary... This is my fourth summary. <laughs> I'm serious this time. It's like, what's the fruit of your tree? Now some of you are like, oh no, but, but my wife and but this. No, 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 the fruit of your tree. Not, not all the excuses about why you are where you are. The fruit of your tree. The decisions you make, what you like, and I want to say this in the package of this. There is grace in this moment, just like there was grace for Gen Z last week. There is grace in this moment for you to respond to the Lord and to turn and to start over. I remember when I was 18 years old as a drug addict, the most beautiful thing was like, man, I get a redo? Like after six years of wrecking my life, you're going to like, for real, I get a redo? I feel like it's like it's time to start over and to come before the Lord and say, God, I want to meet you. So here's what I want to do. Um, can we just stand? I got sugar everywhere. <laughs> Praise God. Poor Hutch. Hutch, I love you. I want to pray for us. And... Um, I know the band's going to set up, but I actually, and they, they can do that, but I actually want to pray, and I want to give us the chance to respond beyond the melody of the song. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you draw, you draw, you draw all men unto you. I ask you in this moment to speak to our hearts. I'm asking you for grace to respond. 
I thank you. Your word is clear. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray that this moment would not be about how unworthy we are, but how worthy you are to follow. <laughs> I pray if there's any man, woman in the room, young person in the room, God, that they would make a decision today. If there's any man that, with secret sin, that they would respond and Holy Spirit, you would give them grace to overcome. So if that's you, you're like, man, Gio, uh, there was any part of that message that just resonated with you, I just encourage you to make your way out of your seat and just come. There's really no pressure. I feel no pressure whatsoever. I, I, I promise the Lord I'd be faithful to just give the word and let the word be enough. But we're going to pray. God, we want it to be real. We want it to be real. We want to hear, we want to live our lives in such a way where when it's all done, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, I pray for men in this room. I don't care how well put together you think you've got it. There's more of God. God, would you give grace to respond for hearts that have grown cold. I even feel like there's people in the room who are like, I don't even understand this. It's not about understanding. It's about just taking a step. sense that the Lord is highlighting one thing in particular that's holding some of us back here this morning, keeping us from pushing all of our chips in across the table. And I just sense that the Lord is speaking the phrase, the fear of lack, the fear of lack. And I know that oftentimes our minds go right to, to, to the money thing, right? We're, we're afraid of not having enough of that. But I sense that the Lord is saying it's a fear of a lack of legacy, the fear of of a lack of social status, a fear of the lack of titles, a lack of security. The fear of a lack of a plan. The fear that says, if I push all my chips in across the table, then I'm going to lose so much of what I want to hold on to. 
So much of what I've created for myself, so much of the road that I have planned out for myself, I've got a five-step plan. I've got a seven-step, three-step, four-step plan. I'm on step two and step three, I'm almost there. But the Lord is saying, I want those chips. And we're saying, I'm scared to give it to you because of what it will cost me. I'm afraid of losing something that is important. And I just sense that the Lord is saying, if you push your chips across the table, there is no way you're going to lose the hand. There is no way you're going to lose anything of true value. What will be added to you will greatly outshine what has come before. What will be built on your sacrifice will be a much greater tower. So the Lord is saying, do not be afraid to give me everything that you have. Because I'm not the God who takes away things that have true value in your life. I am the one who adds things unto you. For greater and greater, measure upon measure. And the Lord is saying, believe that I am good trust in my love for you because that's the only way we can actually push those chips across the table is that that we are settled in his love for us that we actually believe that he is good that we actually believe that he loves us enough to add to us so in the name of jesus i bind the spirit of fear and we replace it with a revelation of your love a revelation of your true love for us women, children. Those of us who think we have it all together and those of us who understand that we're broken, regardless of what or where you are on the path. Revelation of your love for us. Courage to push those ships across. In Jesus' name. staff in the green room I said I really feel like we need to make a call f- for the men and to lay hands on them and just this isn't a heaven or hell sin or non-sin it's a declaration I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm going to lead the way and I just felt like if we can just start there and we can partner with you in that declaration then, then God can begin to lead us in that way So I'm going to make one simple call for the men to just come down. And we're just going to pray. The staff's going to pray for you. And we're just going to, they're going to worship. And if you're in the altars, you can continue to come. But I just feel like for us as men to come together. And if women want to come too, there's just like, I'm I'm giving my life to this. Like I'm going to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus. I'm not going to make a big deal. I say, come now. And our staff and our team's going to lay hands. And we're just going to pray and partner with you.
over every single person here, God, that you would give them grace to overcome. We thank you, Father, and we declare over them that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that there is no yoke of bondage, there is no demon, no principality, no generational curse that can stop them from receiving the glorious inheritance that is found in you, God. And we pray for a zeal, for a passion, for a desire for more, God, over every single person. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to convict and to bring correction and alignment over every heart. We ask you for grace, for the real thing. We're hungry, we're thirsty. You said, come all who are hungry and thirsty and find drink. God, we ask you for fresh drink, a refreshing over every spirit, over every soul. I just feel like I hear the Holy Spirit I just feel like he's saying don't resist me don't resist this may be for one or two people in the room but I'm telling you do not resist his leadership allow him to go all the way there don't let past circumstances and church hurt and disappointments stop you from receiving so Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for a grace for every single person to receive all that you have. And I just feel like we verbalize with our mouth, we will not resist your leadership. We will not resist your leadership. We will allow you to have your way. We rebuke every lie of the enemy and every evil spirit and principality. In Jesus' name, we will follow. We will follow. not resist. Just a few more minutes.
actually going to ask Pastor Marcus to come pray. I want to pray for, for strongholds to be broken over people. There are some of you, like there was a strong generational stronghold in my family for sexual addiction. And there was a decision. I asked the Lord, I, I'm like, Father, I make covenant with my eyes that we will not partake. That generational curse ends with my generation. It ends with me. It doesn't have to be that, but I feel like there's grace as he prays for us to just receive. This is what the enemy is going to put before you as you leave, as you make a decision. But there's grace for that thing to be broken by faith in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Amen. Yeah, Father, in Jesus' name, we just come before you right now. We thank you that there's freedom in this room. That there's freedom in this room right now in Jesus' name. So we just speak to every stronghold, every way of thinking, every pattern in life. And we just ask that you would just reveal it right now. Those of us in the room that we have these strongholds, these things in the mind. Lord, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God for the pulling down. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for the revealing. The revealing right now of those strongholds. Whether it's addiction, fear, lust, perversion, wickedness, witchcraft. We just break fatherlessness. We just break it right now in Jesus' name. We just ask that we would be, when we apply, the word says that you've been given the mind of Christ. Who can know the spirit of God except for the, who can know the mind of God except for the spirit of God? That you have not been given. You've not been given the spirit of the world, but the spirit of the Lord. And you've been given the mind of Christ. We just release that all over the room right now in Jesus' name. We say that strongholds of addiction right now, they break off of your family in the name of Jesus. They break off of the fathers and the mothers in Jesus' name. We just break the fear of man off of your people right now in Jesus' name. We just break shackles. We break bondage. Yeah, we break the prison mentality. We just break the shackles. Break the shackles right now in Jesus' name. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We speak freedom. Freedom over your people right now. Liberty over your people right now.
acknowledge that woman, we also struggle. And it begins with acknowledging. I'm also struggling with that pornography site. I'm also struggling with breaking free from addictions. And even if it's your mind, if you're fantasizing, or even if you're actually looking. And so woman, I wanna, I wanna dare you right now to raise your hands with me. I also did it, I was also bound. And God's completely set me free. Don't you wanna just raise your hands with me and say, that's me, I'm struggling. And I need someone to just pray with me. Raise your hands and say, Jesus, that's me. And Father, I just pray for every woman in this place that is bound, that is struggling, that in secret feels bound by this sin. We just rebuke the spirit of lust in Jesus' name. And we declare that it would go in Jesus' name, that it would not bind my sisters right now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you, God, that you'd break us from that spirit of sin, Lord, that sin and that shame. And God, I ask you for a loving counsel, God, just like you encountered me with love, Father, and that stuff just dropped off of me. It wasn't, it wasn't even a temptation anymore because I felt your love, I felt the presence of the Lord. And so, Father, we pray for an encounter with your love, Father, an encounter of your love, Jesus. every generational curse and we said it leaves the families right now in Jesus name we call out the generational curse of anger come on some of us need to just receive freedom right now from anger and rage where your default is to be angry your default is to yell and to scream and then afterwards you're like this isn't me and you feel terrible it's a spirit and we just break it off of you right now in Jesus name we break anger we break anger right now all for your people we say that peace and joy is your portion joy is your portion we just break the generational curse of sexual abuse that it stops it stops those that have experienced it that there will be healing and freedom and that it will not continue in a family we just pray over our children right now that no enemy physical or spiritual can touch them or come near to them that you will set a hedge around them that you will set a hedge around them holy spirit that you will release angels 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 to protect them. Angels to be with them and guide them and lead them in Jesus' name. We just break disbelief, unbelief off of your people. Where you say, I hear it and it sounds good. I just don't know if it can happen. We just break it now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for hardened hearts. Hardened hearts that we've, we've had enough to get into the room. Listen. In, in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 33, I just feel this. It says that they would come in and they love to hear the words, but they would not receive it in their heart. And that it sounded like a lovely song and it sounded good. And they would stick around to hear, but they wouldn't let it actually get in them. And I feel like there's a lot of people in this room that you're here and you're hearing this, like amen, but you need to receive it and you need to contend for your freedom. You need to contend and believe for your freedom right now in Jesus' name. I just heard as Pastor Marcus was um, praying over generational things that somebody in the room thought, that sounds good, but I don't even know who I would be without that thing. 
So right now, in the name of Jesus, we just declare that those generational curses are not your identity in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for grace, God. We thank you for mercy, Lord. And we ask you to write a new narrative over your people in the name of Jesus. God, that you just write a new identity over your people in the name of Jesus. And God, we come against mental illness in the name of Jesus that runs from parent to child to child to child. We say no in the name of Jesus, that it is covered. It is covered by the blood of Jesus, that our portion is a sound mind, that depression and anxiety and mental illness has no place in the body of Christ. And God, we thank you for freedom now in the name of Jesus. We declare it now over your children in the name of Jesus, God, that we don't have to say it's just who I am because of my parents, but we can say no, because the DNA of God is in me. I have a sound mind in the name of Jesus. We declare freedom, freedom and grace in Jesus' name. takes without giving for God's he, he loves so he gives so father we ask you for joy joy hope and peace over every person in this room you never leave us empty ever so we ask you Holy Spirit for joy 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 to be released over your people that the joy of the Lord would be their strength not a temporary coming and going but true abiding joy joy in their souls it's available for you by faith in Jesus name in Jesus name amen hey listen I, I wanted to say something in just concluding some of you you need to go home you need to sit down with your spouse and you need to figure out where to go from here I'm serious about this. If this becomes just a moment you came down and you left, you'll be right back down nine months from now. You've got to go home. If you're alone, go by yourself. Open, open up your calendar. Look at your life and say, what adjustments need to be made? And make the necessary adjustments to be able to live this out. For some of you, you've just, you, this is all new. We have a school that's starting in a few weeks to help you walk this out. Can you put that up? I really felt this during altar. Some of you, you just need to walk with some people. It's in my message notes. You just need to walk it out. I would encourage you, look at the school. Commit yourself to nine months of growing your inner person. We invest in a lot of things, amen? Let's invest in our spirits and steward what God is doing, amen? Amen, we love you guys. If you need prayer, we're gonna be up here. You guys can linger. If not, we'll see you guys next week for, for service. It's gonna be amazing. We got prayer room Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So get in his presence. Amen. Love you guys. Give somebody a hug. Have an amazing day. If you need to linger, just stay.